Achievement unlocked. Two players and a podcast now loading. Welcome back, dreamers and flam family. This is Two Peas in a Pod, brought to you by General Andrews and Liberty Flam. And we are sponsored by the 8-Bit Dojo and ESN, where we aim to be selfless, not selfish. Also today with us, our guest Dr. McLive will be joining. This is episode four of season three, You Matter with Dr. McLive. And today we have with us Dr. McLive. Hey, Dr. Mick, how are you doing today? I am doing fabulous, my friend. I am honored to join the podcast. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun for me. So it's great to be here. Thank you for being here. And obviously, folks, you, you should know Flippity Flam by now. Yeah, hello. We do do this together. I'm I'm here all the time. It's great. It's always a yeah, good time. <laughs> <laughs> just making sure, you know, I can't have people tuning in in just one ear and only listening to, you know, half the podcast. You know what I mean? And in this case, we got three. This, we got oh, three this now. Yeah. You got to put you got to put the two in two players. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as the name of today's episode is You Matter with Dr. Mick Live. Uh, Dr. Mick, you do a specific take on mental health and awareness in regards to that for your show. And you like to call it, I think, gaming sessions with a therapist. Is that? Yeah, game sessions with a therapist. Oh, game sessions. Good thing I mm-hmm. asked. So tell us a little bit more. Like, what, what does that mean, though? Like, are do they going to ask you personal questions as a part of your show? Like, do they get like, is it just pure brief explanation of everything? Very concise lawyer speak. What, what are we talking about? <laughs> um, so I, I, sh- I suppose I should probably add some context to it that I had no idea what I was doing on Twitch when I first started. Uh, I never, better. I never, wa- never watched it. Uh, never was invested in the pro in the, like in the platform, nothing. So like when I went into this, I went into this with, basically just this idea of I'm a therapist. I've seen streamers say, Hey, don't talk to me like I'm a therapist. Cause I'm not a therapist. And I mm-hmm. thought to myself, Hey, I play games and I'm a therapist. Well, that'd be really interesting, but I feel like I need to do something with like branding because I didn't realize at the time that your name is really the brand more than anything else. Ah, so yeah. Dr. McLive mm-hmm. is technically my brand. But when I first started it, I thought, well, I need to like give people an idea of what it is that's happening because there are plenty of people who put doctor in their name on mm-hmm. Twitch that don't actually have a doctorate. So I want to make sure that it's pretty clear what it is that I'm doing. And I kept trying to figure out a play on thing. And I was like, well, it is a session with a therapist, but it's not, a, it's not an actual session. It's more of like right. a game okay. session. And then I was like, oh, that would be kind of cool. So I kind of mixed it and was like game sessions with a therapist. All right, cool. So that way, if people come in and watch me, which I made the assumption that right away I'd start streaming and I'd have, Tons of people wanting to watch me. Yeah, that they, <laughs> there right? I, <laughs> I was like, I thought just existing was good enough, and so I was like, well, when people come into the stream, they'll see game sessions with a the therapist, they'll see Doctor McLive, they'll see, they'll read every word of my description, every yes. word, and then because yeah. people read it. those all oh, the time, man. right? Mm. Yeah, exactly, and they'll know exactly what they're getting into. So, it what it really came down to though is, uh, it just I, I wanted to have that be clear that. When you come into my channel, you are actually hanging out with somebody who is a licensed therapist. I'm licensed in Nevada and in Illinois. And uh, that, you know, that the doctor in Dr. Mick is actually legitimate. And then the actual business that I run my stream through now is Game Sessions with a Therapist, LLC. So it worked out in that way. So that's kind of where the Game Sessions with a Therapist comes from. That's awesome. That yeah, that's really good because I'll, I'll put it out there. I'll be honest, everyone. Like I don't have a general it. Like I'm I'm just a general on TV. You know what I mean? Like I'm not actually a general. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so <laughs> it's very important though that people know that because a lot of people actually do assume. You know, with how built I am, that like I actually was in you know the military service. People and people have thought you were a vet before. Yeah. Yes, they have, and I have to constantly remind them. Like I my. One of my best friends, period, in life that I've known for over 30 years, he's an eight-year vet himself. But no, not me. Not one single moment in time, right? And uh, so it's funny that, you know, <laughs> I know you would have to really deal with that, dealing with the doctor label. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still have to this day, people will come in to chat or they'll come into the Discord or they'll DM me and they'll they'll ask for proof. 
Like they'll oh, say, like, you, like are you are you actually a doctor? And and I don't mind that question. Like I'm not offended by it. I, I right. no, would probably true. ask the same thing. And I think if I did get offended by it, that would be a little more suspect than anything else. Yeah. yeah. So if people have asked for it, and I will send a picture of my degrees with my name blacked out and like all that. But I'm like, this is me, and here's me standing next to it. And right. th yes. these are mine. And you know, if you really want to find it, I can tell you how to find my dissertation. I can tell you how to find some of these things that prove that it's true and it usually is fine people are like oh cool all right that's neat i just you know you never know and that's i think important for me to that's be able very to true yeah so yeah it's uh it's an interesting interesting space when people first come in and they're like wait a minute is because i don't look like a therapist i like i i mean i i recognize that the way therapists are represented in the media that you're not really expecting a guy to have a you know random t-shirt and a backwards baseball hat and a bunch of Funko pops in the background and stuff. That's not what people picture when they think of therapists. And that was part of why I created the channel in the first place was to try to help people understand that. But I get the skepticism when people come in and, and initially ask me if I'm legit. And then I usually try to say also like, you know, you hang out for a stream and ask a couple mental health questions and I think you'll probably get it. Yes, so. I, I can definitely concur that uh, getting it is a part of it. And why mm -hmm. also I felt, you know, comfortable uh, wanting to bring someone such as yourself onto the show, not just because, you know, we like you or anything like that. That'd be weird. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it wouldn't want it to be that reason. <laughs> no. Come on, that's, that's a strange reason to do something like that. But, you know, to, to really you're someone that represents a part of the field, I think, is a very exciting way that educational content can be consumed. And again, it's not that you are every single time on stream it has to be about mental health topics right like there's a reason why it's game sessions because you're gaming but you do discuss mental health um in ways that can help people without um crisscrossing any ethical boundaries yeah the uh part of my raid call which i won't do the whole thing here but whenever people bring their community my way and i know that there are new people is i emphasize very much and have since the very beginning that my goal is to bring mental health psychology therapy information to people who wouldn't otherwise have it in a responsible and ethical way. And that responsible and ethical is a real pillar of how I do what I do and why I do what I do. I do play games while I'm talking with people and I get compliments all the time. I never imagined that I'd get the most compliments on the fact that I can talk and game at the same time. Mm, and yes. I know you probably get that <laughs> compliment a lot too, because it blows my mind when I watch you play games and talk at the same time. So I understand now what people are talking about, but I, uh, my goal is to just create an environment where it's familiar. A lot of people on Twitch, when they come find me, I'm not the first Twitch channel they've ever found. So it's a familiar environment. It's a game that maybe a person's familiar with. Like I primarily play destiny Two, And a lot of people play that. And, People can tag me in chat and ask me questions and it's on me to determine if it's a question that I can answer. And it's also on me to make sure that I answer it in a way that is general uh, in the yeah. sense that I can't do an assessment for anybody on stream. I'm a therapist. I'm not anybody on streams therapist. Yeah. And so I... I have to make sure that I can answer a question without doing an assessment or prying or anything like that. And I've, I've gotten pretty good over the years now of being able to take pretty much anything somebody says and I can try to do something with it. Sometimes it sometimes it's a little bit of a bummer because I have to say something that's general enough that it might seem like I'm almost invalidating or trivializing a person's right. question. Mm -hmm. But I also, it's never worth it to me to risk my ethical boundaries to ask a question that I know I'm only asking because I'm a therapist or something like that. So it's just a space where people can ask and get some information about something, whether it's something going on for, for them, for a friend, if they want to just have some general info. And it's a lot of fun for me to do. And every once in a while, I sprinkle in like actual lectures that I've done before for grad students. And I try to bring to all of it for free so people can learn stuff and it's easier to find. That's great. Information in that field is it's so sparse, at least for like people wanting mm -hmm. to come and find it. It and is. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go oh, ahead. no, you're, you're good. That's I say I will agree. And that was actually a big reason why I did what I did when I started the channel. I mean, it, I started it out of an existential crisis of basically like feeling like as a person in academia, because I was a, I was an assistant professor at Northwestern. I was, oh, wow. uh, I had a, like I was a, I'm an approved supervisor. I was very much in the academic sphere, teaching graduate and undergraduate classes. And one of the things that always 
was frustrating for me, even when I was in school, is it seemed like the stuff that I was learning is stuff that everybody should be able to learn. Yeah. It, it, it's stuff that people should be able to find. I, I don't like the idea that learning about how human relationships and systems and how our brains work and stuff like that, that it has to be through behind so many barriers, whether it's having to make sure you have the right insurance to see a therapist that can actually provide that to you, whether it's being locked behind a paywall on Google Scholar because you can't access any journal articles, even if you wanted to, yeah. stuff like that. And it drove me crazy. And so I was like, I really want to get out of this bubble of academia where you're just in this little insular place where it's all a bunch of smart people talking to each other instead of trying to make sure that other people are getting access to the information. And this was the way that I thought to do it. It's like, you know, I don't claim to know everything about everything, but I spend a lot of time reading about stuff and staying up to date. And I am a, I, I am a practicing clinician. I, I own a therapy practice. My wife and I co-own our therapy practice. I see 15 to 20 clients a week. So I'm thinking about this stuff all the time. And if I can help a person learn a little something about themselves or have a better understanding of something that makes it easier for them to talk to their own therapist about what's going on for them, or if it makes it easier for a person to look at therapy as something that actually is an immense sign of strength to go access, then I've done my job. And that has been one of the most wonderfully awesome parts of streaming over the last two years is to hear people's stories about how that's happened for them. It's so great that you bring that up, that gatekeeping, because we've talked about gatekeeping yeah. for other subject matters, um, ranging from, you know, speed running to all these other things that, you know, when compared to mental health seem so trivial in the the grand scheme of things that are being blocked by, you know, what means you know is it financial is it just who you know all that kind of stuff that it's it's really cool to see that you were in amongst all this very important information right it's been it's, very, it's been very imperative on so many different levels that i've listened to stuff that's not even being answered to me mm -hmm. but the information has been still valid and, and, and um informative to me like oh i was not looking at it like that before oh that's a good way to break that back on down and put it on back in my brain and make it make sense again uh that it's it's really cool to hear not just your explanation of things not that you've you done it but even just the passion and how you're talking about it right now you oh know? i mean this stuff is people often will say to me while i'm streaming like oh well geez, how do you not get exhausted? Like, don't you do this for a living? And I am blessed to be in a position where I love what I do. I love, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I love thinking about human relationships. I love thinking about and learning about how the brain works. I like analyzing this kind of stuff. I could sit, I mean, I tell people I'd be sitting around playing video games anyway. So I might as well sit around and play video games and keep myself engaged with the field that I'm immersed in for one. And bring that information to people. It's, it's not work for me to sit here and talk about anything that you want to talk about related to mental health. That's within my purview and play video games in the same way. I'm sure for you, it's not like it, it, it's not taxing to sit and learn how to speed run a game in the way that somebody like me, who's not a speed runner would look at that. And I think to myself like, Oh my God, the patience, the, <laughs> just the, endurance like i look at it and i i am in awe of like how you have the the patience and the and the repetition of that to do that and it's just so awesome and i always have to remind myself like hey man that's just not how i work my mine's the, mine's the mental health stuff and so right. it, for yeah. me it's just it's not <laughs> like i'm sitting here and like when you asked me to do this interview i'm like yeah I, i'm down like i'll talk about this stuff for forever because i love it, it it's interesting to me it's always a blast when i get to see people uh, say like, oh my God, like I never realized that. that that makes so much sense to me. I would have never thought about it that way. Like you were describing it's that jazzes me up. I mean, that's part of my self-care. So this stuff that's, is fun for me. Cool. And <clears throat> another thing I like to bring up is I know Philip puts a very high, high value on mental health and, and getting oh, access yeah. to that information. Um, I know it's imperative for, for Flip to really get in here on this because, uh, th this means a lot to him because he's also seen people who've put up the uh the guys of oh, having the, the guys information of that trying you... to help and then really just wanting you as their own patient things like that and <laughs> so where you come in with this ethical coaching, way and yeah. it's very passionate and it's like a love project on top of the fact that you you do it as a living 
it's it's yeah it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty big honor for us to have you on the, oh, yeah. the show right now as we uh continue to pick your brain on this stuff i i, I appreciate that and I, I will say um that one of the things that I mean, in line with what you're talking about here is there is this kind of weird mental health is a weird space right now. Yes. Like men, mental health has become a buzzword in a way right. that I, that I don't like. Uh, I think that there is kind of, and I, I, I don't mean to sound a uh, gatekeeper in this way, a gatekeeper in this way, because I, I'm, this isn't an attempt to be a gatekeeper so much as it is out of a sense of protectiveness for anybody who's wanting to access good mental health information is there's a lot of uh, like really watered down stuff out there that is not legitimately good information or is a representation of mental health information being brought to people in a way that is not okay. And I, that hurts to watch only because I, I just don't want people to get bad info. I don't want people to be harmed by that. I and, feel you so much. No, yeah. Oh, in the man. Industry, it's just like that. Yes, I, I, well, I can I've only seen, imagine. I, I'm sure some of you have had. I don't want to actually say the name of the thing only because I don't want to give them sure. credit. So maybe you can bleep me out or whatever. Yeah. Uh, flip <laughs> but the name of it is called. Have you seen that on YouTube? I have not. Okay. So oh, maybe you just God. haven't clicked into that loophole yet. But oh, my gosh. It's just guerrilla marketing on those advertisements a very good looking individual that you know yeah. has the look and it has no problem copying all the top tier people's information but they themselves they're a paid actor mm. right but mm -hmm. they're taking the place of someone who is the, a professional that knows all the ins and outs and they're selling you these items and these things because that's what a professional would sell you because they want you to succeed and they're mm -hmm. just taking advantage of the market right and so when I hear you say what you're saying, I'm like, yes, somebody else gets a different, slightly different field, also extremely yes. important, right? Yep. But it's just like, yeah, again, people again taking advantage and turning things into buzzwords, like the word positivity. <gasps> That's a word I love to use, I but now it's, a, it's it's faux pas. <laughs> right? it, you know, it's 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 really interesting how. <sighs> I am always have to be mine, and as I'm sure you you have to as well. Like I always have to be mindful of this idea that therapists, uh, and I know in your case, like personal trainers, there's like this idea that we wouldn't want everybody to talk about mental health because if they do, then it's going to somehow put me out of a job and like, <laughs> or like that somehow, like I selfishly don't want people to talk about mental health because maybe just maybe therapists don't know what they're talking about or therapists are just an expensive thing. Like I want to acknowledge up front. I recognize that therapy in the United States, especially is not particularly accessible. Like I am in a lot of ways, I, I am treated by insurance companies and just in general as a luxury item. I'm not mm -hmm. treated as a necessity. Yeah. And I recognize that. And at the same time, that is not a green light to have bad information take its place. And so exactly. my goal has been to try to bring good information in a responsible and ethical way, in a way that is accessible for people so that when they're coming here, again, I don't claim to know everything about everything, but I also know that I've spent nine years of school, five of those purely focused on this stuff, mm -hmm. really trying to dive into and pick apart theories and uh, like all the stuff, like the research and everything that has brought us to the point where in 2021, we know what we know about a very complex thing like mental health, which is <laughs> not as well understood as say physical health is. I mean, we, it, it's not as exact of a science yet. And so it's hard to know what information is good and what information is bad. And I just, I feel so protective of people at large of wanting to make sure people are getting access to good information and that they're seeing mental health information brought to people in a responsible way. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I know for me, when I was going through my stuff, I had, I had a psychotic break just to let you know. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> I thought that my friends would like understand that, but they, they didn't, they were like, you know, oh, it's all in your head. Like, mm -hmm. like, right. Oh, like, oh, you're sad. Just 
just not be sad, right? <laughs> oh man. So that was really eye opening, not just for me, but also for them because they got to see the whole process of it like me being in the mental hospital and everything and it changed their whole perspective on it in a very you know you know throw them in the deep end sort of way but then they understood and were like Mm -hmm. hey this is a real thing and sometimes that's what it takes nobody asks for mental illness no nobody (laughs) nobody who legitimately struggles with their mental health or with you know having some kind of diagnosis or se- whether it's severe psychosis or whether it is you know something that's maybe a little bit less intrusive to a person's daily life but it's still like a, a diagnosable thing mm-hmm. like nobody asks for that yeah. nobody that's diagnosed with something like that says oh man y'all got to try this yeah right like, <laughs> it, 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 it's <laughs> just day of my life oh my god it, it, and and it, it really, there is this kind there is sort of like this weird trend that's happening that uh, I still don't quite understand, but of like glamorizing mental health and, I, or gra- glamorizing mental illness. What, mm-hmm. what, one of the things I'd want to clarify, because one thing I can't stand is when mental health and mental illness get used interchangeably. Um, ah, that point. is, that okay. is something that always drives me nuts. And not, that's not an indictment on you guys. It's more just sort of in general, like be, it's part of the product of mental health being a buzzword. Is mental health is a very like all encompassing term. It's talking about like basically the way in which our brain manifests itself into behavior, which is actually why in professional settings, you actually don't hear mental health very often. You hear behavioral health uh, because um, we one of the ways that we come to understand what's going on in somebody's brain is through the behavioral manifestation of it. Like we don't know that a person is actually like diagnosable, for example, with like depression or with an anxiety disorder or OCD or something like that until we see the behaviors that actually serve as markers for that. Like I I can't walk around with like, you know, one of those temperature guns they're using in the casinos out here in Vegas right now for COVID where like, (laughs) you know, you you shoot somebody with the with the temperature gun and it says like, yep, brain is manifesting as general anxiety disorder. Like that doesn't work. It's it's, it's not a blood panel. Oh, okay. so, I was like, that was amazing. You have one of those things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man, if I had one of those, oh, God, can you Trademark imagine? that? Why are you on our tiny little oh, podcast? Yeah, right? like, <laughs> it's say, the best day of my life. Yeah, <laughs> if I get, if I get that thing, I get that thing, we're doing the next podcast on my yacht, all right? Yeah, so, there we go. It, it, <laughs> so, you know, for me, it's like it's one of these things where it, it's, it, it's really difficult to actually get this thing like locked down where there are like legitimate markers of like what is mental illness versus, you know, mental health and all this stuff. Mental health is just what you do to try to improve like your functioning and like the way that your brain is translating into thoughts and behaviors. And it's just okay. this very over like over encompassing thing that mental illness is located within you know, disorders right. are located yeah. within. And if you ever see, I mean, one of the things that I like to say to people is if you ever see somebody who is like in a capacity where they are trying to like legitimately talk about mental health and they use mental health and mental illness interchangeably, that is a marker that they probably aren't great of a resource for you because a person who's a good resource is going to know the difference and is going to know how to make that distinction. I'm glad I'm glad you bring that up because I can't think of off the top of my brain right now, but something similar when people are talking about, you know, health and fitness, uh, the big difference between, you know, what what are what do you actually want from your goals versus what actually is going to make you healthier as a human being? Mm hmm. And even then, there's still going to be trial and error because, like, you know, with me- mental health, it's like it's not sometimes it's not perfectly right or sorry mental health or mental illnesses that uh it's perfectly that there might be a couple of different little um additional caveats to what's going on that also need to be addressed appropriately for everything to be going in the right direction for that individual exactly and that's where you know when i say to people in chat like sometimes i'll get questions and people will will ask these things and when i generally when i can't answer a question something that i will say is I can't answer that question because I haven't had a chance to do an assessment with you. I don't have enough of a background. And one of the things that I'm trained to do by virtue of being a therapist and why I have a license and Mm -hmm. why I can diagnose is because I've been trained to actually do full assessments for people. I know what kinds of questions to ask. I know what to poke at. I know what to look for. And in order for me to, to throw the idea of 
even the idea of, let alone an actual diagnosis at a person, I have to have done some very significant work, yeah. work that is not something that I could sit here with you guys for 45 minutes and teach you how to do. It's, right. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it's not something that like anybody can just jump in on. It's not just and an afternoon training or anything no. like that. Oh my God. No. <laughs> I mean, I signed yeah. up for a six hour class. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's like one of these things where like, if, if you know, sometimes I'll hear people say something like, you know, oh yeah, well, you know, well, that certainly sounds like depression to me or, you know, oh yeah, well I, you know, I have X diagnosis and wow, the way you're describing that, like, I'll bet you have that too. If you're in a, you know, a day-to-day -day conversation one-on-one, -on -one, okay, whatever. But like, if you're in a position of influence, like if you're, if you're in a position as like a Twitch streamer or you're somebody who's in the media and you're throwing shit like that out, it, that's not good because again, we are not in a place right now with mental health where people know what information is good, when or whether or not that's okay for a person to do. Like there's all sorts of harm that can be done in that. And so I always have to say to people, I wish I could answer that. I wish I could ask you the questions that would allow me to give you a more thorough answer to what it is that you ask, but I just ethically cannot do it because it's too dangerous. And no matter what capacity I'm in, whether I'm streaming, whether I'm out at the grocery store with my wife, whether I'm here talking on this podcast with you, by virtue of being a licensed therapist, I am always a therapist in any capacity. Thus, my ethical bounds extend to anything that I'm doing. Like I always have to be mindful of that. And that's a difference between somebody who's a legitimately licensed mental health professional and, you know, just some Joe Schmo on the street who's trying to yeah. talk about mental health in any kind of professional capacity. Yeah, it's a good point you bring that up. It's the same reason when it comes to when I'm answering a uh, general health question, right? Mm -hmm. Is that I, I am not liable for anyone when I'm giving general advice, right? Right. I am now liable for someone's safety if I've now given them poor advice mm -hmm. because I didn't know the full situation. I decided to decipher an answer right then and there that, oh, no, that'll be something that will help with your blood pressure. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if you're like somebody like me, if I'm watching you and I have a question about my health, I know that you're a trainer. So yeah. inherently what you have to say for me is going to carry more weight than somebody random. And exactly. that's a responsibility that you bear in the same way that I do. You know, like I, people, if I say something, if I give somebody a directive in stream and said, if you do this, this will likely help your marriage or whatever. Yeah. Right. Oh man. People and then it are doesn't. Only, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people are only approaching me in that capacity yeah. because I'm a therapist. Like yeah. there are things that people ask me when I'm on stream and they know they can ask it to me because I'm a therapist. And that is, that's ethics 101. We bear the responsibility of what we represent professionally. And for me, that's a therapist. And so I have to act in accordance with that. And that can be frustrating for people. And I understand that, but it's, it's, that's when I have to say things like, you really ought to see a therapist because that's the kind of thing that mm -hmm. doesn't get explained by a general explanation. That's something that a general explanation might give you the, the oomph to be able to go sit down in front of a professional and say, Hey, I heard about this concept. And you know, I was on the stream one day and I asked this guy who was a therapist about this and he gave some information. And I thought to myself like, wow, that really aligns with my, my experience. And I want to talk to you, a professional who actually can create a treatment plan and has a service agreement with me of how I can address this. So and Dr. Mick actually was telling me on his stream just last week, I need to see you for my behavioral changes. Like <laughs> I've just been going manic to depress. I don't even, I don't even know, but he's, I don't even know. I've got I have all, all of these them. words, everything he's described. That's me. I have all these words. Yeah. I love that. All well, these you know, words. you know, what this cracks is me up from... though. It Go cracks me up though, that people will say to me a lot that, uh, like they'll bring me up to their therapists. Like I've, I've had so many times <laughs> over my two years of doing this where people say like, Hey, I talked to my therapist about you. And I assume so. <laughs> I, and I love that. I, I mean, I love that because I'll always ask like, well, I, I hope it was good. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> also like, yeah. what did your therapist say? If you're, if you're willing to share, you certainly don't ever have to share. And, and usually people will say like, oh, they just think it's really cool that you do what you do. Uh, and you know, I'm glad that that's the case because, yes, because like, here's the thing, like, I, I'm going to, I want to give you guys an example of like what this would look like if it was bad, because I think sometimes people don't understand this. Like if I was to have somebody in my chat, say, talk about 
a depressive episode that they're in. And, and they're describing something to me that very much sounds like they very well could be depressed. And let's say I was to actually ask them questions and do an assessment. And I ask assessment questions and I've got a pretty good idea that this person has, you know, is, has depression. And that person says to me, well, Dr. Mick, you know, I have a therapist and it hasn't been going particularly well with that therapist because it doesn't seem particularly useful. And the therapist diagnosed me with bipolar and that doesn't really seem to fit. If I say to that person, well, I think that's probably a wrong diagnosis uh, because what you're describing to me sounds like depression. I have just acted so irresponsibly Yeah. because yeah. if that person goes to their therapist <laughs> who has done an assessment, who, yeah, who right. has the information that they need to make that diagnosis. And then that client goes in there and says to their therapist, you know what? I was talking to this guy. He's a licensed therapist. He's on Twitch. He has a PhD. You don't have a PhD. You've got a master's degree. You, he has a PhD. And he told me that it's probably depression. And I don't appreciate that you've given me a bipolar diagnosis. And that if I'm if I'm the therapist in that scenario, I'm pissed, man. Like yeah. that is just so egregiously terrible uh, and unethical. And I mean, I, I could theoretically lose my license for doing something like that. Like it, that, it, that kind of thing is just, oh my God. So it, the, the, there are real ramifications for this. And, and that's why I emphasize so deeply that I do this in a responsible and ethical way, because it's so important to see that represented. Even if you're a lurker and you're watching me field that question and you see me stick to ethics, it's important for people to see that. And to have that represented. Yeah, that's huge. That's why I'm glad I'm just some Joe Smell who just, <laughs> I just give advice <laughs> off of my experience though, because I do the same thing where I'm just like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not anything. I can't tell you what to do, but this is how it is in my experience. Like, and, I went and that's great. Like, I, I want to also say like, that is totally okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not a person who sits here and says, you know, well, you know, Flip, I've got the degree, <laughs> I've got the license, and I worked hard for it, and I'm hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt for it, and so you shouldn't be allowed to say that. Like, that's not at all. Yeah. That, like, hey, like hey I've had 10 years of therapy it? on the other side of the couch, yeah, right. man. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I've done eight years of therapy, Flip. Um, so it, it's one of these things where, like, it's okay for people. I love people like you that are willing to talk about your experience. Like, I think that is, it brings a real richness. People who, uh, I call it, I basically say stay in your lane, like people who stay in their lane with mental health conversations and are able to mm. acknowledge the where they're coming from and saying, you know, hey man, when I tell you what's going on here, like I'm coming from personal experience, but like I'm by no means, you know, in a position to be able to like diagnose or anything. But if you find a, a level of camaraderie or if you feel seen or understood in a way that helps you see that there's somebody else out here who has struggled with that and you're not alone oh my god i mean that we need that like we need that i i, I love that so i sometimes i get kind of hit with this idea that like i'm trying to tell people they can't talk about their mental health and like no you absolutely <laughs> can you absolutely can talk about your experiences and it's really important to do that just don't start to move in the direction of giving people like advice and like you're some kind of mental health guru and like you can go step outside the bounds of your own experience like well you know i didn't have i don't have ocd but you know i've struggled with with other things and so in my opinion i think you should probably do this because this that's where we start to get into issues with how people are talking about mental health and seeing poor information get thrown out. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I referenced YouTube, so hold on. I, yeah. Oh man, Pretty sure yeah. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> and they said you, they they said you would say that they were lying. <laughs> you, you, you know, no. <laughs> he's got a oh, hundred thousand subs. Say, how can you want to you want to you want to open up about that one, bud? That sounds like a uh, that sounds like something somewhere you've been before. <laughs> Oh man, it's it's just it's unbelievable. You know when you're trying to do the right thing and put people in positions to get the information correctly, that you could still run into roadblocks of other people who are trying to do stuff well too, but they don't realize what they're doing is actually poisoning the well, and they're they're not helping people out by what they're doing. Yes, and here's mm -hmm. I mean something that has always been it's it's really hard 
for uh and i don't mean this in like a woe is me kind of way it's just it's legitimately hard is the more credentialed you get you get the less you can say ah so okay, that makes sense there, there's this like it's it's there are times where i envy people who don't have a license people who don't have <laughs> a like a, an actual like ethical code they have to follow right. because then you can say anything and there are no repercussions for it like there if you're not if you are not representing a protected term like you you could say whatever the hell you want and and there's no repercussion for it there's no recourse for a person who's hurt by it none of that stuff so it makes it easy for people who are not actually legitimately in a position to talk about these things in any kind of sophisticated or useful way to say whatever they want and then people look at that and go well this person over here is willing to give me direct advice this person over here is willing to say all these things and answers all these questions and says all this stuff. Well, I come over here to you, Dr. Mick, and I ask you a question and then you say, well, I can only answer this in this particular way and you ought to talk to a therapist or anything beyond this. Well, that doesn't feel helpful to me. And I'm, I just have to be like, I, look, like you really should, this is not small potatoes. This isn't me talking about what glass you should drink your water out of tonight. This is us talking about like, some real stuff that's affecting your brain and your life and your relationships. Like it's not responsible for me to, to throw that out there like that. I just I mean, can't it do it. It affects their decision-making. Yeah, right? I, I, which is, absolutely. Which is so important that again, like when people come to me in the fitness side of things and ask, you know, for fitness motivation and you had a great, great rant. I'll call it <laughs> rant. Cause I, 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 I get passionate. Call it a rant. It's exciting, you know. I don't mean it bad. I rant all the time, so I, I'm yeah. I'm self talking good about myself. That uh, you know, understanding where motivation comes from, mm -hmm. and where you if you don't inherently have motivation, then you set up a structure to create a sense of that motivation. Can you extrapolate on that a little bit further? Yeah. So I get asked all the time about motivation um it's something that I, so one of the things that i specialize in working with as a therapist is with like things like executive functioning and performance and stuff like this and esports performance so mm -hmm. motivation is something that comes up a lot within those spaces and i say this to people bluntly all the time whether it's in a clinical setting or whether it's when i'm streaming or whether it's in my day-to-day -day life motivation and getting more of it is a horrible goal like motivation <laughs> is like truly, it's just I, the amount of times people come to me and, and I don't mean this as like to be like put people down for this, but like I, it, it blows my mind how You're often I hear dreamer, it. man. What the Holy heck? Cow. <laughs> All this done. No, okay, it's going. just, I want to be more motivated. And uh, the thing is like motivation first and foremost is an emotional experience. So it's not something that you actually, you know, can like create for yourself. You don't, it's, it, it comes out of emotion and emotion is not something, despite everything we ever hear about it, emotion is not really something we control. Emotion is something that it's a reaction to the in, to inputs from the environment that our brain has to tell us, hey man, I'm reading something and here's some physiological symptoms to let you know something's going on. Like that's all it is. So motivation is rooted in that. What really gets people through is discipline. And yeah. discipline is doing something that you've decided you wanna do, or you know you should do, or is it in your best interest to do, doing it even when you don't want to do it. It's, it's doing it devoid of motivation. It's doing it, it's saying, you know, in a fitness way, right? Like it's, I'm going to do my reps even on the days where I don't want to do it because I have committed to a regimen. It is I, like, I, you know, I wake up, I wake up and I'm like, oh God, the last thing I want to do, the last thing I want to do is go to the gym. But I know that that's what I want to do. And so I'm going to get out of bed, put my gym stuff in my bag, get in the car, and I'm going to drive to the gym and I'm going to, and I'm going to do my routine. And even if I'm not a big fan of the fact that I'm doing it, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to push and I'm going to make it happen. And the people run into a wall. Uh, usually they have to confront their own distress tolerance when it comes to discipline. And for a lot of people, it's very low. The stress tolerance is basically your ability to hang in there when you're uncomfortable ah, and make and make yeah. a more uh, important or more useful or more effective decision for yourself within the discomfort. Uh, people who bail out of discomfort really quickly and engage in avoidance of that 
often do not do well with discipline. They are people who will say, I need to be motivated to do this thing because motivation is a more comfortable experience. So you have to sit there and go, I am uncomfortable. I am actually legitimately like anxious or frustrated with the fact that I have committed to doing this thing, but I know that doing this thing in a latent way is good for me. Thus, I'm going to do it. And that over time, as you break things down into small manageable goals that allow you to progress through that in a more effective way, can often lead to some motivation and sometimes a lot of it. And the really the golden sweet spot in performance and really in anything is when people can catalyze discipline with motivation, not the other way around. Like the people who get shit done are people who have an amazing work ethic and then also are motivated to do what they're doing. Like you ask any high performing athlete, you watch any interview with somebody, you know, like the Kobe Bryant's of the world, mm -hmm. like people or Michael Jordan, like people who just everybody looked at and was like, God damn, they're like first in the gym and last out. Like they, they have like a motor on them. And you ask them, like, how'd you get to be successful? Like, why is it that you managed to be at the top of your game? They say, I worked hard. Like, I, I, I worked hard and I was also motivated to be the best. But it's never, I'm the best because I was motivated to be. That, that doesn't do anything. You actually have to put the mm. work in. Yeah. You, thinking about doing a thing is not doing a thing. Doing a thing is doing a thing. That's so true. And I, I liked when I had heard your explanation of it because it's the same information that I knew deep down when it came to trying to get people to understand the difference of how do how do I do what I do versus getting them to where they want to get going. Because mm -hmm. most people, yes, they would like to have um, maybe parts of the look that I represent, but really they don't want that necessarily. They're like more like, no, you know what? I just want to feel good. And I want to, you know, I want to have a stomach yeah. that I'm not embarrassed by, you know, things like that. Right. Which is fine. Those are all mm -hmm. good reasons to have things to want to do. Uh, but then it's getting them to understand that my levels of what I want to do aren't normal for people necessarily. It's, it's not just a natural thing for them. It's natural for me to be like, you know what? I'm going to eat the same meal all the time because I get the results I want. Mm -hmm. I eat food for results. What? Yeah. Yeah. You don't eat for pleasure. Oh, I do sometimes, but you know, that little part of the pyramid where it's like, you know, the 1%, 2% of the stuff that's, that's me. Everything <laughs> legitimately 2% of you. your yeah. diet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's why it works. And I'm, I'm I don't go crazy. I don't, I don't go feel like I'm like, I'm losing my mind doing this which happens to some of the most extreme athletes because they've gone so far in extreme to compete at that level of course and you know what's funny is i i as a person who i mean obviously you've seen me and like I, everybody who's watched my stream has seen me I, i'm skinny as hell like i'm i'm like 100 <laughs> 145 pounds i think the most the heaviest i've ever been in my life is like one like 155 and like i stepped on the scale past 150 i was like hell yeah so it's funny because you say that because like i'll look like I mean, I, I think to myself, like, man, I would love to look like General Andrews. Like, I would, I would love to have a body like you, dude. But the thing about it is, like, and I have, to, and here's the thing: is I have to be honest with myself. I could want that for the next five years, and mm -hmm. there is no amount of wanting it that's going to make my muscles grow. There's no amount of that that's going to make me look fabulous in a tank top. It's like, not going to give me another foot on my no. Height. So it's, yeah, it's, I, it's, I feel you. So it, what it is is. Like, I have to be honest with myself that I don't want, I just truly do not want to do the things you have to do to have what you have. And I think that's a really important thing for people to acknowledge, no matter what it is, mm -hmm. because what it does is it brings a sense of personal accountability. And it also brings the idea that ultimately I am at any given moment choosing things that are an alternative to what I would need to choose in order to have, you know, the kind of body that you have. And that is something that sometimes people get crushed by that because sure. they're, they, they have to become, they have to confront the actual amount of control they have. Mm -hmm. Yes. And yes. that we actually are responsible for our decisions, that we have the capability to make the decisions. I could eat the meal you eat every day. I could build up to the exercise regimen you have. I could do these things. Like I could, I could figure these things out and actually commit to them and do them. I choose not to. And as a result of that, it, I have to be responsible for the consequences of that 
which is I'm a scrawny ass 145 pound guy that sits on stream and eats flaming hot Cheetos more often than I should. And I understand that when I have a stomach ache and feel like shit, that it was my doing. Yeah. <laughs> that like I don't that glow is, up because oh, I have a bad oh, diet. That is so important because <laughs> like that 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 is so real when it comes to all this stuff is is understanding. And I, I feel really that when I realize what I wanted to achieve versus what I also picture that I could become, right? And it's like, oh well, I don't want to do steroids to to do that mm -hmm. okay I, I don't want to have to actually have a, a diet that has another 25 percent fish as a part of it i don't i don't want to cook all that all the time even though i cook all the time for mm -hmm. that already is a part of what i mm. do but the, these other extra additional extremes i'm like you know when i get there i'll, I'll get there but that's mm -hmm. not what i need and i and to me what it did was almost bring like a sense of control because i made that decision to know and and realize that there's such a, I, I mean, I love that because there, there is such a difference between saying I couldn't do it and I chose not to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because just... so many of us, so many of, I mean, myself included, we all do this. We, we mask our accountability with absolute language such as I have to, or I can't. And we, you know, it's like, think about it. Like if somebody invites you to a party, you don't want to go to. Well, right now you say I can't because it's COVID, but like, let's say pre-COVID or post-COVID right, and you right. say, they, you say like, hey, all right, you want to come to this party? So many people will say, sorry, man, I can't. Even yeah. though they actually could. What they're, what they're really saying is I don't want to, but, or I'm going to choose not to. I've got something else I would prefer to do. And what happens is it defers the accountability for that decision to whatever the reason is why you can't. And so the follow-up to that generally is, oh, well, okay, that makes sense. But so we have another party coming up next weekend and would love it if you would maybe come to that one. And then usually now, because the assumption is if you can't, what that means is if you could, you would. Yeah. And so somebody yeah. will open up this idea that like, well, why don't you come next weekend? And then this person's like, oh, oh shit. Uh, <laughs> well, I can't next weekend either. And then oh. the people go, wow, geez, like you sure can't a lot, but it's like the person's not taking accountability for the fact that they're choosing not to do it. They're not taking personal responsibility for like, hey man, like I appreciate the invite to the party. I'm probably not gonna come. Uh, I'm not really in the mood to come to the party this weekend, but I really appreciate the invite. And that there's a, there is a passive sense of empowerment that builds up for people. And I watch this all the time, that there's a passive sense of empowerment once people realize that you are the arbiter of your choices. You are the one who is consistently making choices. There's no such thing as choosing not to do something. You're always doing something. And so if you choose to move your accountability to a third party, this ambiguous third party, and tell people you can't, or tell yourself you can't, you are already stymieing yourself into a corner where if I was to say, you know, well, I can't eat one meal a day, or like, I can't eat the same thing every day. That's not actually true. I could. But yeah. it's also important to recognize where, because it also waters down where the actual can'ts are, right? Like, Flip, mm -hmm. when you're like, you know, oh, well, I'd love to be a foot taller. Well, yeah. we know that, like, that's, I mean, good luck. But, like, that's not a thing that's ever going to happen, right? Or, like, yeah. it's it's one of these things where, like, we actually do have to acknowledge what the legitimate can'ts are, because the legitimate can'ts are the things that we have to work around. Those are the things that we have a, to build a disciplinary procedure around that mm. basically says, okay, cool. So I'm, you know, I want, okay, I want to play, I want to play basketball. Or I want to like, or let's do me in high school. I want to play football. Uh, so I'm, I, okay. So I'm six foot and I am 145 pounds soaking wet. Is that realistic? Like where, where are my cans here? Well, I can't grow. So, I mean, I certainly can't be a wide receiver. I'm not going to be a wide receiver because I'm too, I'm too low. Like it, it, it we allows us to look at the legitimate barriers. Mm -hmm. And then if we're looking at the other things as our choices, then we make a decision with what to do with those barriers. Okay. So if I'm short and I'm going to commit to doing this, then what do I actually have to build into my routine in order to make sure that I can do this? Like if, if I'm not, you know, if, if I'm not of able body, then that's a legitimate constraint. That's a legitimate thing that gets in the way of people being able to do certain things. So what is it that needs to happen in order for me to be able to accomplish these things? What do I have control over here versus what don't I? If we chalk everything up to something else having the power over us, you're boxed into where you're not ever going to feel empowered to do anything because you're going to see yourself as a victim of circumstance.
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm like, once you find where your can'ts are, then you can find where your cans are. And you can set 100%. realistic goals for yourself. Yes. I like that. Yes. I feel empowered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I, 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 I mean, I love to, I hope I haven't gone too much off on a tangent on this stuff. Oh, no, you're fine. This is good. This is it's, what it's for. We're always excited when people, we ask these questions because Flip and I are going to talk to each other regardless if this mm -hmm. show is on right now or not. Yeah. So with that being said, <laughs> when somebody else is able to fill in with what we want them and their specialty, whatever it may be, we want to know more. And you continue to encapsulate us with the information that we're either applying to ourselves or to other situations that we're able to like, you know what, that's a better understanding of that. Okay, cool. All this stuff is really good. And it brings us in. And now I want to get a little more specific and focus on some other stuff, you know, Go for to it. bring you back from your tangents. But like you were talking about this earlier, you were successful at, you know, an admirable rate in your, your field of study. And I, I think I've heard this on stream before too, you know, I'm not sure if the terminology, one of the youngest or on the younger side for getting, you know, certain accomplishments in the field. Uh, but do you feel this better prepares you for obviously how you, how your content creation career has gone and how it's continued to grow? And you kind of like, I'm just going to kind of do this thing and people are going to show up and then start realizing the other side of the work, which also has <laughs> resulted in very good achievements. Also to this point in time as well, you seem like a go-getter achievement wise. But you also, when we watch you on stream, you're very laid back when you're on. Super so, wait, chill. Who is the real Dr. Mick? Oh, you know, man. or is it really all the above? <laughs> well, I, you know, oh boy. This right? is such, such, such an interesting question for me to answer because, um, okay, I'll, I'll be real with you. So I am, one of the things that I have learned about myself over the years, and I try to use to the best of my ability, is whatever I am currently doing I am 100% fully invested in. So, and I don't mean that in like a meta sense. I mean like legitimately, like right now, as I'm talking to you guys, I am thinking of nothing else other than being as present and immersed in this podcast as I can possibly be. When I am streaming, I am, I am thinking of nothing else. I am not checking my emails. I am not checking texts. I am in that mode. When I'm doing therapy, I am fully present for my clients in as, like as best of a way as I can possibly be. And so I, I, I one of the, th that has its benefits and its drawbacks. One of the things is that, uh, you know, a benefit of it is if there is, if it's something I want to do, I am all in. Like I am <laughs> yeah. like fully invested. I'm going to figure out how to make it work. Like it's going to happen. When I am not invested in it, I am apathetic as hell. Ah. So I run into a problem a lot where like, if I don't care about something, I have to really, and I didn't learn this until very late in my life. Uh, mm -hmm. I have to draw a lot on discipline in those moments yeah. because that has caused me problems. So it's interesting because it shows, so I graduated with my PhD in three years and that's something that people tend to look at and go like, holy shit. And, yeah. you know, some people take Hauser or, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> I get that all the time. So what's funny about this is, first of all, I have to own up all the way to the fact that that is rooted a lot of ways in privilege. So like I, I was throughout my entire academic career, always given the benefit of the doubt. Always. Um, there were doors that were opened for me by just being, you know, a white dude who wanted to learn about education that like, it just, nobody ever really second guessed me. Okay. And so hmm. there are a lot of hurdles that I did not have to jump over that so many of my contemporaries, uh, particularly people with marginalized identities have to jump through. So I got to own that up front hundred percent because it absolutely played a role. That said, I was ridiculously motivated. First of all, in my first two years to get the hell out of Virginia because I do not like Virginia. Um, no offense to anybody in Virginia who's watching this or listening to this. Um, I just did not, I did not enjoy living in Virginia. I was like, I gotta get out of here. But I also knew what I wanted to do. So like my initial goal was to be in academia. I wanted to teach. Uh, teaching is something that I am really passionate about. I love doing it. And I wanted to get in a position where I could teach and I could influence students. And so my head was down the whole way through. I was taking 18 credit hours. I was seeing 15 clients a week. I was doing a 10 hour research assistantship, 10 hour teaching assistantship uh, on top of doing like my prelims and my dissertation proposal and all these things. 
and it destroyed my mental health. Like absolutely yeah. destroyed my own mental health. I, uh, <laughs> I had the summer from hell in 2017. Uh, after I graduated from with my with my PhD, after I defended my dissertation and graduated, I had probably the worst summer of my entire life, and I completely lost myself. Uh, and so that was one of the drawbacks of being as deeply invested in it. So people look at it and they go, "Wow, that's really cool that you did that," but there are definite drawbacks to it. But I knew where I wanted to go, and so when I got there and then started to see kind of what it was like to be there, I was feeling a little bit empty because it didn't, I didn't have sort of the impact that I had said I wanted to have for myself. And that then turned into streaming when I had an existential crisis and was like, I want to have a bigger, bigger, bigger impact. I want to actually meet people who don't have access to this stuff. I want people to feel more comfortable going to therapy because so many people are afraid to go see therapists mm -hmm. and I and don't know how to. So I, I want to make, I want to do that. And I, and I looked at my wife one night and I was like, I broke down and I was crying. I was like, man, I just, I really thought this is what I want to do with my life. And that's not actually it. And my wife was just like, well, then go buy a PC and build it and do it. And I was like, okay. And so I've been fully invested in this really like ever that. since stopped crying and just got it went out and did it i, I mean it was it was I, I mean i credit my wife in a so lot of ways with kudos to your wife on that <laughs> yeah, one. oh dude i mean seriously like she uh she has been like number one supporter all the way through for basically everything but like when i when i did that i mean she literally just looked at me and was like yeah well then go do it like i i, I stop you know don't cry to me about it go i mean you can cry to me about it but like now right, let's do right. something and so it, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, I, when I, when I want to do something, I'm all in, but when I don't want to do something, I have to really fight through apathy because apathy is a primary coping mechanism for me. So that's why I hit a point with streaming where now I only play the games I want to play. I went through a period of time where I started playing games. I thought the community wanted me to play. And that was actually really detracting from stream because yeah. I was like, I don't actually want to be playing this. I found myself getting into a space of like, oh, maybe I'll cancel the night. And whenever I notice myself getting into apathy, that usually means that I'm off track. And so I try to reconnect with kind of like where my passion's at. So I know I just went kind of all over the place. I hope that answered your question, but that, that's kind yeah, of where this yeah, comes yeah. from. I mean, it, it, pretty, it pretty much sums up the majority of the question. I still don't know though. Are, are, are you this laid back guy? Or are you just always a go getter out there? That's what <laughs> I, I think, need to know. I think it would depend on who you ask. I, okay. um, you know, I, it's interesting because I, I don't like to minimize, I mean, as best I can, I try not to minimize my accomplishments because like I am proud of them, but I also, um, I mean, I, I am pretty, I think I'm pretty laid back for the most part. I, 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 when people, you know, like close friends, my wife, they would probably tell you that I can be, I can be intense. I can be kind of a pain in the ass. Uh, I can be pretty stubborn. I think um, Jared said that a time. Oh before. yeah, I mean yeah, Jared. I mean, maybe I'm misremembering, so I just want to. <laughs> no, no, no. Jared. He knows. Okay, okay. He knows. Um, I. So it's it's like a it's kind of like a both and like I'm I'm really intense when I am excited about something, and I'm I'm all in when I'm excited about something. But I do try to, particularly in a capacity where I'm streaming and I'm trying to invite people in, and I want people to feel seen and heard and acknowledged. I don't know that intensity is a way for me. I mean, it certainly can work for other people, but like mm -hmm. for me, intensity is not something that invites people into the space I'm trying to create. For me, it's a, it's a warmth. It's an acknowledgement. I mean, I know you like every 10 minutes I pop out and say to my chat, how much I appreciate that they're there. Like for me, it's like one of these things where I'm always trying to maintain a demeanor that is approachable, which is truly the antithesis to how I present myself in public when I'm not in the public eye. Like I try to walk around with like the most intense resting bitch face so that nobody approaches me. And my <laughs> wife and I laugh about this all the time. My wife is beautiful. She is smart. She has the most inviting face. She is just the kindest soul that you have ever met in your life. And if her and I are in like Home Depot or a grocery store or something together, and I'm sitting there looking pissed off, like I don't want anything to do with the world. Everybody approaches me. Who's this? Everybody <laughs> comes up to me and talks to me. Well, who's and this it's guy? nuts. Tell me, tell me about it a little bit, huh? 
Oh why, why, why are you so upset? I mean, why are you look, so look, mad? It's only game. Oh my god! Huh? It's not. It's like people don't even see it. Like I mean, I remember being at the grocery store one time in Virginia, and I'm I'm at the I'm at the counter, and I'm trying to just get my groceries right because I hate grocery shopping, and like I I just like I didn't want to be there, and like the the person at the register just chatted me up, telling me all about her day, like. It was just like opening up to me about stuff where I'm like, do you open up like this to everybody? Or is yes. it me? Like, what am I doing? Definitely. You. <laughs> and yeah. it, it's wild because it's like, I, I, on one hand, I get it. But on the other hand, like, I usually am like actively working against that. Not because I don't care about people. I love people. But man, I like, I've got to turn it off sometimes so that like, I can get the energy back for things like streaming yeah. and doing Correct. this and stuff like that. And uh, it just never works. I, I, I apparently I'm approachable, and I, I, I just have to live with it. I, I don't know, but it's. I, I think if you, it would depend on who you ask. If you, if you asked some of my good friends, they'd tell you that I can be pretty intense and stubborn. I think if you asked um, other people, they would tell you that, despite being intense and stubborn, and you know, I can sometimes say things without thinking about it. That I, I'm pretty calm for the most part. Like uh, under stress when it's real legitimate stress, uh, I will usually calm down and be pretty chill. Gosh, what a, what a, you know, what a great self synopsis. You know? There we go. Well, you know, I only spent five years having to look at it. T <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, I'm, I'm sure we could continue to talk to you for hours, but you know, we're going to, we're going to do the right thing. And uh, we're going to actually go ahead and again, we're going to let you talk some more here, but we want to hear a little bit about where yeah. can people find you? Uh, obviously we're glad that they found you on this cast tonight. Uh, but where, where, where can they find you? Go ahead and take the floor. All right. So you can find me primarily on Twitch. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Dr. Mick live. Uh, I also, I'm live usually like six days a week. Uh, right now, it's Tuesday nights, Wednesday afternoon or night, uh, Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights, Sunday night, uh, and Thursday afternoons. And that specific time, usually 9.30 Pacific time, you can find me. Uh, I also have uh, pretty active social media accounts. So you can find me on Twitter and YouTube, Instagram and TikTok. Uh, I post mental health tidbit videos every Monday, Wednesday, Friday to my YouTube, they are like 30 second to two minute long mental health tidbits, just random clips that get pulled from stream where I say something that seems like it would be useful for people to hear. And I post three of those a week. I also post mental health topic lectures where I will go in depth for, you know, an hour and a half to sometimes three hours talking about a specific uh, mental health topic or a, like a lecture that I've adapted from when I used to teach in graduate school to people who are not grad students so they can understand it. I also do like mental health interviews, all sorts of fun stuff like that. That's all on my YouTube. And I also post the tidbits clips to Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. So you can find me on all of those platforms, but Twitch is, Twitch is the primary one. So if you want to interact with me directly, that's where you find me. And I'm always thrilled to have new people come in. And if you happen to listen to this podcast and you come in and you say that you listened to the podcast and you came here because of that, I would love to know that. That's wonderful. Awesome. Wow. Uh, isn't there uh, also um, not necessarily a special event, but for you, it's a um, sometimes a weekly or maybe biweekly um, specialty that you do also as mm. one of your sessions a week, I want to say. So I um, I try to do them biweekly. I, okay. I try. I try. Um, <laughs> I'm not always great at it. Um, it's it's more complicated than it may seem overtly. But one of the things that I do on stream a lot, it's called uh, find me a therapist. I think this is what you're alluding to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's called Find Me a Therapist, and it's a segment that was way more popular than I ever thought it was going to be. It's basically where I take volunteers from the community, so like actual people, who volunteer for me to help them find a therapist in their area. And every time I do it, we go from start to finish. So we go from when you type your zip code in to the website to when you've got three to four names to call. And every single time I do it, I treat it as if I've never done it before. So I... At, not that I've never done it before, but that we've never done it before on stream yeah. because I want people to ask questions. I want people to understand the process and I walk through and answer questions. And my goal with that has always been to demystify the process of finding a therapist because it's one thing for somebody to say, hey, you should talk to a therapist or for you to say to yourself, I should talk to a therapist. And then to actually sit down on your computer and go, I have no clue yeah. how to find a therapist. <laughs> like, how do I know what to look for? How do I know what to search for? How do I know if a person's going to be a good fit for me? So I try to do that every other week so that 
it's not only good for the person who volunteers because then they have actual tangible names to call, but it's also good for anybody who's watching because sometimes people will play along at home and they'll go through the process while I'm doing it with somebody else. And I'm pretty proud to say that like I've had a significant number of people who have volunteered for that tell me that they ended up actually seeing the therapist and still continue to see the therapist. And I think that's awesome. That's such a so, and I have a, uh, I have a, if people, you know, are like, Hey, Dr. Mick, you didn't do this in the last two weeks or something like that, or you want to do it now, you actually can find there's a, I finally did a generic version of that. That is on YouTube that I walk through the process where anybody can access that and can watch that video at their leisure, pause it. Uh, and they can use that video to find a therapist on their own if they're not comfortable having me do it or if they aren't able to make those streams because those are the only streams I do not save the VODs for. I do that out of respect for the therapists and the volunteer. You have anything else uh, you want to add to this, Flim? No, I'm I'm processing. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Yo, Dr. Mick, thanks for Thank being here so tonight, much. man. I know everyone's going to love this. This is so good. So I just... Cool. I just want to say, I know I said this at the beginning, but uh, I um, I admire you very much. And I have I have been really just it's been awesome to get to know you through Twitch. Uh, Flib, I know we're just kind of meeting today. We're, I, we're I apologize that I'm not know. as familiar with you as I am with General Andrews. But I I, I just I, I love what you do. I love your vibes. The Dreamstream is a great place to be and uh when you reached out to me to ask to do this podcast with you it was an honor because i've i've known about it and i have people in my community that rave about it and so the chance to be on it uh with you guys is is really awesome and uh if you ever want to have me come back i'd be more than open to doing that but no pressure um it's oh, but cool. this has been a blast for me awesome thank you so much dr mick yeah thank you <laughs> all right dreamers Lamely. You all have a good one. Thank you for listening and bye-bye.